So welcome to Virtual Team Dynamics, the All Fire podcast. It's been a little while now since I last posted and uh, with everything that's going on around the world at the moment with um, with lots and lots of organisations suddenly struggling to move from a co-located everyone in one office to lots of people in some cases working in self-imposed isolation, in some cases working through organisational policies, choosing to be split and fragmented around, I thought it would be a good opportunity to revisit some of the previous content that I've put up on the website and also to to particularly put a put a lens against it that looks at some of the challenges of virtual teaming when you are suddenly faced with having to do this in quite a different way because most virtual teams are they're static, they're well established, you've either got large groups of people working in groups around the world who are separated by geography or you've got um, smaller teams, typically smaller teams where you've got people who, who permanently work remotely. So you've got, you've got maybe um, a sales team where you've got different people working in different locations around the country or even indeed around the world where these people work largely independently and then coordinate their time. But if you're in an organisation or in an environment where where you're used to working co-located, where you're used to working maybe in an environment where you can just, just walk up to a colleague and ask them a question, or where you can see people and you can actually just sort of just as you walk past their desks or you catch up with them in the coffee room or whatever, you can you can be much closer to what it is that they're doing and how it is they're doing it. When all of a sudden you find yourself separated around around a city or around a location where where people are now all of a sudden having to work from home or work in smaller groups or try and find coffee shops or wherever to to get in rather than come into the office, that can be quite a challenge. So what I'm trying to do over the next few posts, which may be frequent, they may be slightly less frequent, I'll do them as certainly as frequently as often as I can, is just to, to try and put a bit of a lens on virtual teaming as applied to this sudden environment that we find ourselves in now where, where as I say, a lot of organisations are, are for the first time in some cases breaking up their co-located team groups. So people who maybe, um, a lot of people would be new to having to use these sorts of technologies. So I thought as an introduction for the first episode, I would touch on a few of the options of technology because that's often one of the first challenges that people will encounter. Then as time goes by, I'll, I'll add in a few more posts on different aspects of virtual teaming that, that may or may not be of benefit to, to different groups and different organisations. So typically these will be short posts, they'll be short podcasts, uh, but more frequent potentially. So starting with technology. Most people, they go to virtual teaming and their first thought is, oh right, everybody needs now to be on Zoom or Skype or uh, whichever chosen platform it is that they choose so that they can all simulate being in their normal office environment by having this quick, easy access to video conferencing. Realistically, though, video is not necessarily the best and certainly not the only solution that you need to be able to work with. You need to have, first off, you need to have a good, solid internet backbone to where where your employees are based. So if people are working from home, they need to have decent internet available to them, or at least they need to understand and the organisation needs to understand 
the quality and depth and uh, bandwidth available to their employees when they're working from home. So video may not work for everybody simply because for some people, if they're, if they're on a poor or a low-speed internet connection, it may not be that easy for them to get up and running. Most people would have access at least to email, even if that's email supported by a 4G or a 3G network on their phone or hotspotting their phone onto their laptop. But again, not everybody will have a laptop. So organizations need to think first off, what technology do their people have and how do they need to support their people moving to whatever technologies it is that they use? So I'll start with the, the, some of the simple things that came from, from my own research in this space, actually. And that is that for many, many, many people working in virtual teams, email and good telephone access is often all that's required, coupled with some form of access to an organizational network. Now, again, I imagine there'll be, there'll be companies all over trying right now to establish secure VPN networks and ports into their servers, trying to set up their servers and their server structures so that their personnel who are suddenly working from home are able to access the files that they need. But absolute worst case there can be that you have two or three people in an office space who are emailing out documents if necessary for people to look at and work on, or where you find something like Dropbox or Google Drives or, uh, or OneDrive where you place documents where people need to work. So think about server access, but fundamentally telephone and email for communications is that minimum level of communications for many people. Email, though, you need to be quite careful with the use of email when you are now moving from a co-located to a distributed team. Email when you've got all of that context and all of that content that you just pick up through through being co-located with your colleagues. You can get emails and they can be a couple of lines. They only tell you a third of the story, but you don't need anything more because you already know what the other two thirds of the story are through previous conversations, through things you've overheard, through things you've seen and so forth as, the, as time has gone along. However, when you move to an environment where everybody is separate from everybody else everything needs to be in those communications so if you're sending an email out to your team that email needs to be clear concise comprehensive and as far as possible written in a way which can be clearly interpreted as not pointing out that any one person should feel that they are being picked on or where you're starting to build groups and, and uh, collectives that may or may not feel that they then need to go into opposition with another part of your team. So you need to be very careful in how you write your email. They need to be clear. They need to be concise. They need to be um, set in a way that is easy for everybody to interpret properly. And you also then, when you receive these emails, you need to read them on the basis of not trying to read between the lines, am I in trouble? Did I miss something? Did I do something wrong? Is my boss upset with me? Is my colleague trying to stab me in the back? All of those sorts of things. I would suggest you should assume are not happening in the email correspondence when you receive it. So assume, first off, that no one is intending anyone else any harm, if you feel a little bit confused about emails, go back to the sender. Don't go back to everybody and just ask for a bit of clarification. But more than anything, as I say, assume assume 
good intent with everything that gets sent. And if you feel uncomfortable with something, give it a bit of time. Leave it, let it sit in your inbox for for an hour or a, or a half a day or a day before you make any kind of a reaction to it. Leave it there because often you'll read something and the first time you read it, you might sort of think to yourself, oh, something something's going wrong here. You come back to it and read it a little bit later and all of that concern has gone away. So assume that, that things are in good condition. But if you're unconcerned or if you are sending an email where you realise it might be a bit complex and a little bit hard to interpret, use the telephone or video and speak to the people who are the key recipients. If it's one-to-one, then maybe an email and a telephone call. Not, a, But not in the way that we used to think of email, where you would have a telephone call, then you would follow up with an email just to confirm what we've agreed. That's not what I'm suggesting here. What I'm suggesting is that the email and the telephone call are two sides of the same conversation, so they are clarifying each other. So not not here's a record of what you've agreed to do for me, but more here is some extra information, some extra context, maybe some drawings or some specifications or a, or a document that's being discussed backwards and forwards with some comments and some markups on it. So use the tools as you would communicate in a traditional co-located office environment, which may be a written report that you then go and sit with someone across a, across the table with a cup of coffee, write the report, and then get on the telephone and discuss it with the other person. So you're doing the same workflow. You're just doing it in a in a in a separate way where you're in different locations as you work. And that then, I guess, that covered the phone as well as well as uh, as well as email. So the third one then is so. What about video now? Video. Video these days is free pretty well with most mobile phone systems. You've got FaceTime or you've got various other uh, video systems available on your phone. Most people, if they work off a laptop, will have a camera on the laptop and they've got the ability to do some form of video for free or for very, very low cost, one-to-one or one-to-a-couple of people. And then, of course, you've got what most most, most big organisations built, of course, was this big corporate backbone of fancy video conference facilities typically in their boardrooms now if you are now working with everybody from home that equipment is going to be standing idle all those lovely tools and all that lovely technology that doesn't have that doesn't have utilization anymore because everybody is then working from their various home environments or from their little offices wherever they may be that means that the whole way the whole mechanism all the tools are now changing the other way around everybody is is working from more of a minimalist level rather than a some having minimalist and everyone else having the big systems now what that means is you need to be very careful over the selection and use and engagement that you go for in your video meetings uh, some of this may be down to technology in as much as the platform that you choose to use uh, try a few they are Each of them are different. Each of them offer different features. Some offer recording facilities, which can be really useful if you need then to make the recorded discussion available to those who couldn't attend. Some offer multiple participants. Some make it very, very easy for people to switch around who is sharing presentations and documents. And some are just quite simply a face at two ends of a telephone. 
So choose the right technology to support the conversations that you want to have, but don't necessarily go first off video for everything because video, as I said up front, video is not necessarily that silver bullet that will solve all of your problems. Now, when you are using video, I would suggest that once you get beyond the number of participants that you can count, maybe on the fingers of one hand, maybe a little bit more than that, you need to think about it being more of a less of a less of a collaborative meeting and more of a broadcast kind of a meeting. You need to be quite careful how you chair these meetings because you've got people who can't necessarily pick up on the video on the uh, visual cues that they would get from their colleagues in a normal round the table meeting and consequently you can find situations where three people all try and speak at once then everybody uh, sort of steps back and says oh no no you go you go and you have these pauses these meetings become incredibly disjointed there's no flow in them so you really need then as the chair of the meeting to manage moving around what's your opinion what's your opinion asking actually engaging with people while they're on the video and while on the subject of video if you're going to use an online video tool make sure wherever possible that everybody is accessing it at the same level so try not to have too many people telephoning into a video chat because then it it becomes really really fragmented some people have deep engagement and some people don't um, try and get everybody on video or everybody on phone wherever possible otherwise go for the go for just the phone because at least that way everybody is at the same is that has the same level of access so that's just a few thoughts around how you can and can't or should and shouldn't look to use video as you start to move into your virtual team environment and uh, as i say for many this will be the first time they'll be experiencing some of these things um, I will endeavour over the next little while to put up a few more of these. Feel free, of course, to have a dig around in the archives on the Old Fire website and on the podcast uh, platform. There are something like 90 different posts and different audio files that have gone out over the last six or seven years discussing various different aspects, marginalisation, different kinds of technologies, how you manage time zone differences and so forth. Now that was all produced based on um, based on having large teams scattered around in different locations. So clearly there are some differences. So what, as I say, what I'm going to try and do over the coming episodes is become a little bit more focused in terms of what do you do if suddenly you've got lots and lots of people all working independently. So for those who are finding them in these environments, finding themselves in these new environments, take care of yourself. Um, be careful out there, as they say. It's uh, it, there's a lot of uh, different news going around. I will make no claims whatsoever to make any kind of insight as far as the medical side of all of this lot goes. I'm going to stick very, very much to the virtual teams and the technologies to support them. Um, but yes, if you are finding yourself in these spaces, take care. Try and get out outside a little bit if you have the opportunity. Um, try and get some mental rest because these situations can be very stressful and having an extra layer of trying to work in these environments while dealing with everything else is additionally stressful um, and of course if you've got any questions anything you'd like me to cover specifically going into the next few episodes then please do reach out either through the podcast 
platform. So put some comments up on the Apple Podcasts website, which is probably the only best place to put it. Or, of course, the best place to contact me is through the Ulfire website, which is www.ulfire.com.au where I will endeavour, wherever possible, to, uh, to to maybe produce future episodes to, to address um, maybe any questions that come through from anybody. So for this episode, this is over and out, and I look forward to speaking to you next time. Bye-bye.